Hey, dude. Hi. How's it hanging? The other day I was at a party and I, I said to a British man, I said, how are the Hotspurs doing? And he's like, the what? And I'm like, the Hotspurs. And he goes, whoa, mate, no one calls them that. And I was like, okay. And he's like, yeah, they call them the, either the Spurs or the Tottenham Hotspurs. But if you just say the Hotspurs, you look like a duty head. That's weird. That's exactly what I would what I would call them. Because that's their team name. It's like, it's like yeah. if, if, dude, it's like if you were like, yo, how are the Miami Dolphins? No, if you're like, how are the Dolphins doing? And someone was like, what are you talking about, man? It's uh, either the Finns or the Miami Dolphins. We don't say Dolphins here. Yeah, we only call them Finns. We call them Finns, or we say Miami Dolphins. <laughs> yeah, says the New Zealand guy from Miami. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, listen, man, I wanted to ask you about uh, The Fly with Jeff Goldblum. Have you seen that movie? No, but um, one of my favorite songwriters in the world, his name is Mike Viola, as you know, and he references this movie in his new re- on his new record but I've never seen the movie honestly oh well what's the new record called and also what's the reference it's called The American Egypt um and there's a song where he's like just like Jeff Goldblum in the movie The Fly whoa I got pieces and then he's like I got pieces of the uh, maybe he says I got pieces of the water falling off of me what would he say I got an ear falling off me maybe pieces of my ear falling off of me Maybe. Does his ear fall off in the movie? Yes. That's a very specific reference, too, to, like, say the actor's name and the movie The Fly. Yeah, he goes he goes pretty hard on the nose there, but it's great. Um, Do you know any other songs that reference that movie? Um, Fly Like an Eagle? Yeah, which is a Seal... A seal covered it, but who's the original guy? Steve Miller Band. Yeah, Steve Miller Band. No, we just call him Miller Band, mate. We only say Miller Band or we say The Steve Miller Band. No one calls them Steve Miller Band, mate. No one calls them Steve Miller. <laughs> no one calls them Steve Miller. <laughs> all right, brother. Keep on keeping on. Cut all that shit out. Bye. Bye. Bad science. Did the movie get it right? Bad science. Or will we have to fight? Bad, bad, bad. All right, everybody, welcome to Bad Science. I, as always, am your host, Ethan Edinburgh, and we are here to talk about the 1986 classic David Cronenberg movie, The Fly. Uh, Joining me today is a wonderful comedian, writer, actor, Byron Bowers. Hey, what's up, y'all? How's it going, Byron? Man, not bad. I'm eating this chocolate right now, so I'm feeling good. Uh, uh, Reese's, if I might be specific. Well, I mean, you know, I don't want to advertise, but I guess we can. (laughs) Is it a sponsor? We could get them to sponsor now, maybe. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, Reese's, man, I've been eating it for years. Uh, the only candy I was stole for. <laughs> Is it your favorite candy, would you say? Or you uh, have it's definitely in the top three. Okay, well, now you got to give us the other two. Now I'm curious. I'm going to think about it the entire podcast. Uh, now, for now, it rotates. Like, Musketeers Oof, is good. Three Musketeers. Musketeers, yeah. And um, we got Reese's and, like, anything else that is like a Reese's. Anything that's like a Reese's? What's like a Reese's? Like, like peanut butter Snickers or peanut butter oh, M&M's. You oh, know what oh, I mean? Or, I love peanut butter M&M's. Yeah, or the I Reese's don't... Pieces. 
Oh, Reese's Pieces is fantastic yeah, so candy. Any knock I also Reese's. really like those mini M&M's. You know what I'm talking about? That came in those little like pop bottles. Oh, yeah. Those were dope, too. Those were dope, right? Yeah, I, I say what... M&M's. Yeah, M&M's is, is, the, is the close second to Reese's. <laughs> okay. Now that that's clear, I want to introduce our third guest. Okay. Uh, well, our second guest. I'm including myself for some reason. He is the senior museum scientist of the Entomology Research Museum at the University of California, Riverside. It's Dr. Doug Yanaga. Hi. How's it going, Doug? It's going okay. I got all that? Yep. Am I missing anything? Did you f- discover something uh, that we should all know about? No, it happens pretty regularly there. I got four million specimens, and I work. <laughs> I plug my way through them all the time, and I average one new species discovered every other week. So, Whoa. Yeah, that's about... That's that's just my own stuff, just poking around. My boss discovers like twice as many new species. Oh man! So yeah, it's like a mentor to you. It's well, no. I mean, this is we're, we're all independent in certain respects. I mean, he works on microscopic wasps. I work mostly on bees and beetles and other things like that. Got you. Okay. So, so you find a new species of beetles, like I have found mm, probably like thirty or forty new species of beetles and about a hundred new species of bees. So yeah, lot, I find them all the time. That's amazing. Yeah. And so you get to name them? Oh, I'm sorry. No, go. Sometimes. I mean, if, if, I'm the, if I'm the specialist in the group, but most of the time I just farm them out to the person who is the specialist. So mm-hmm. if I find a new you know, fly, then I send it off to a fly specialist and he names it, unless there's no specialist in that group. There's, wow. you know, there are groups for which there's nobody alive who works on them. So. And you're the specialist in bees and beetles, you said? Um, I, those are the two groups I work with the most. But okay. you know, I pick up other things. Okay. If there's no one alive to work on them and I find something new, it's like, well, all right, I guess that's one for that's me. That's on me. Yeah. Right. So you telling me it's a lot of motherfuckers getting credit for a species they didn't even find? It just was handed to them? Yeah. Dang, yeah. it's like ghostwriting for rappers. <laughs> yeah. Could you maybe call one of us next time, like someone's not around and mm-hmm. we could name them? I'd love to name a new species of anything. All right. But, I mean, look, you look at somebody like David Attenborough, he's got like, you know, 50 species named after him. He didn't discover any of them. They're just people naming them after him because they think David Attenborough is a really cool guy. And, mm. that, you know, there's a certain truth to that. Um, I've had species named after me as well, but that's because I'm the one who discovered them. Right. And it's like, okay, well, we'll give credit we'll to the guy who first found it. Credit's due, yeah. You know, throwing shade for, at Attenborough a little bit, but right. I like it. No, no, no. He's he's got he's got a lot of good reasons to you know name things after him and and you know pay a little little respect to him. Okay, but but maybe you first. I guess is what we're saying here. It depends on whether you're you're big on the scientific side of things or the the. You know. Well, Byron and I are huge on the scientific side of things. <laughs> well, I'm just interested in it now. Like the deeper we talk about it, like y'all well, discovering species. Let's and... get into. I want to. I want to discuss the movie a little bit first, and okay. then we're going to get into some hardcore science stuff. But for those that haven't seen The Fly, I thought we could try to summarize the movie. Did you watch it recently? I I pretty much got a summary of it in my head. <laughs> in your head, what does yeah. that mean? You talk to yourself. Well, I mean, yeah, you know, you you kind of know what goes on. And you take that piece, mm-hmm. and then you run with it. <laughs> okay, it's like so, reading a, like a, a like a, a, a scripture. Like you just read that one word, you like I got it. I pretty much get the yeah. fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So did you see it like earlier in your life, and you're like trying to remember it, or I seen it twice. I mean, I seen it mm. recently. Yeah, I definitely seen it recently. But okay, I remember seeing it earlier, and it was like like on some scary like oh shit type yeah shit you know <laughs> absolutely what I, mean? I saw it like a long time ago i yeah. then just rewatched it for the pod and also was yeah freaked out uh by some parts i was watching it by myself and uh did not expect i don't know i guess i just assumed 
the effects wouldn't get to me because it was made in 86. Yeah. But I was completely wrong. They are great. It it's looks the, scary. Yeah, oh yeah. It's the practical stuff that scared me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love that stuff. Like, I never would notice. I barely noticed mosquitoes in a room. Like, I would never notice a fly yeah. in a telepod. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, it seems like they should have checked for that, though. I guess that's one of the big... Well, he was drunk. Yeah, he was that's drunk. That's true. Whatever. He was drunk. That's the monkey point. saw it. Yeah. Oh, good call. If only the monkeys could talk. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of lives would be saved. Did you see that deleted scene, though? No. When they mixed the monkey with the cat? Oh, I read about that. Yeah, Man, monkey cat. I saw it. Now, that was like... that was. I saw <laughs> so you recommend it? I saw that recently when I rewatched the movie, and that was tough. That was tough to watch. Because <laughs> he, if I'm not mistaken, the thing, com- he mixes a monkey and a cat because he's trying to find like a cure for himself. And then it comes out this weird monkey cat creature yeah. and he like beats it with a pipe. That's what, basically what oh, happens. Geez. Like it's animal cruelty at its best. <laughs> yeah, that's what I heard. And I and then they put it, it was in the regular, it was in the original movie when they screened it. And it happened like, I don't know, three quarters of the way through or something. And the audience from there on just said, oh, fuck this guy. We don't care anymore. We don't. We we don't want him to win because he's an asshole because he killed this weird monkey cat. So they took it out of the movie. Oh, that's why they did it. Yeah. I thought because it was gross. No, I think they love that gross stuff. Oh, that's, that's Cronenberg. Yeah, Cronenberg 101. Um, okay, so let's try, let's try and summarize just in case people haven't seen it. So it starts off like right away telling you what's going on. It's, it's uh, Seth Brundle, who's played by Jeff Goldblum, and his then-girlfriend in real life, by the way, Gina Davis, plays Veronica, who's like a journalist who's working for a science magazine called Particle Magazine, which is very funny. Mm-hmm. Is that a real magazine? Do you know about this? Don't think so. Okay. I don't, I don't really... I've never heard of it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know many science magazines at all. But anyways, so there, it's right away he's telling her, like, he's trying to hit on her, right? It's very flirtatious. And he's saying, I have something that is going to change the world. And all these other scientists that you're trying to interview don't. You know, you got to come see what I'm, what I'm dealing with. Come back to my lab. Come back to my lab. Some old school me too type shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's very strange. It's very forward. Yeah. And... They're in the car. Uh, he says he gets motion sickness. Do you guys have motion sickness? It's a little bit. You it's have a, a sob, by the way, for any car guys out there. It's, it's a, a sob. Nice sob. Yes. <laughs> it's a nice sob that yeah. Veronica's driving. Um, what? When do you get motion sickness? I'm just uh, curious. Sometimes, now. as a if I'm sitting in the back seat of a vehicle, mm-hmm. um, you're nodding like that happens to you too. Or no. no. Oh, okay. I mean, I, you you wouldn't believe some of the things I've had to ride in doing field work and like. The jungles in Guatemala and stuff like that. You can, if you get motion sick, you're you're, you're dead out. man. Humble brag, but, but no, but <laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> uh, no, but I'm, I'll I'll point that out that uh, I got a fear of heights, something nasty. So you put me oh. up on a ladder or top of a tower, or make Can't me go it. up a tree, and it's like no. Okay. It's a little Forget motion that. sickness though, like like a weird part of a roller coaster. If I ride on a certain car, then I'm gonna get a little. But if I'm driving, I could do like 110, no problem. No problem. <laughs> Humble brag. I'm engaged though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Humble brag. Humble brag. <laughs> um, okay. Cool. Yeah, I don't really get motion sickness. Height. I, I'm not afraid of heights, but it's not my favorite thing to do to be really like high up and look down. I'd rather just not look down, I guess. Anyways, they get to his lab. Something really funny happens to me. He starts playing piano. He's got a piano in his lab, and he starts playing like pretty aggressively, like right away. And so that kind of uh, very like show offy, I guess, which made me feel like, well, it's our main character. I'm supposed to like care about this guy, and now I kind of feel like he's a prick. You yeah. know what I mean? So I also wanted to ask you guys if you've ever done anything like embarrassing on a first date without realizing it, maybe like to show off. Uh yeah, of course. Uh, 
I mean, numerous of times. That's what it's about, making those mistakes. <laughs> yeah, or like trying to show off, but also trying like you're not showing off, right? Well, That's um, the whole game. Yeah, that is. You know, it's like you, you, you're a peacock. You're showing your feathers. <laughs> <laughs> you're slowly showing your feathers, you know what I mean? That's and, right. And, uh, and you might find out that this person don't even like feathers. <laughs> But it's, all, all. it's too late. They already out. <laughs> You're already playing piano. So you got to be like, what if, what if I do these to the feathers? To so what's like your what's your peacock feathers? Like, how would you, you know, impress a lady? Well, now, I mean, I'm, I'm a little older now. So it's like, I just let them do the talking. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Be if something happens, yeah, because it's like, all right, I'm attracted to you. But do, do I want to take it further or not? I'm going to let you talk. If you let a woman talk, then you can really find out how crazy she is. <laughs> Yeah, you totally. ever heard the term? You could talk yourself out of the pussy. Yeah, you could do that, yeah. or you could let her talk, and right. then you know you become a good listener, and it all works. Everybody appreciates that. Yeah, yeah. So, what about you? You ever uh, talked your way out of the pussy? It has to, you have to bear in mind that about the only people who date entomologists are other entomologists. So, mm-hmm. um, didn't have to impress anybody. It was like oh. okay, other you know you you know these people for months before you ask them out on a date. Got you. So. Oh, that's how y'all work it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's in the work. with them maggots every day. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I can name all these maggots. It's pretty cool. You know they might name this species after me. <laughs> Out of respect. Yeah. Oh, I might name it after her. Oh, Ooh. see, he's already on top of it. No, oh, there's a lot of people who've done that. Name, name new species after their girlfriends and stuff. Mm-hmm. Man, it happens all the time. That's what I was wondering. Like, if it, is it, do y'all have groupies or is it some freaks? No. Like, are the women like no. freaking? No, not really. You, you Nobody like, looks you know up. I know she had it in her. <laughs> Bugs, bugs just aren't that charismatic. Well, I mean, they got them weird things they do with their mouth. And if you meet a lady that could do that, and you like, man, she fucking, she did some research. <laughs> she did the fly on my shit. She put her hands on it. She just kept rubbing it. That's right. That goop. Okay, never mind. That goop. You know, you know, it's not. They don't talk like this. Nobody talks like this. That works oh, in entomology. <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, okay, so they're in the lab. They, she, he. Tells her that, you know, this is his plan to teleport and that he can't teleport living things yet. That's his big discovery, by the way, is that he's going to he, he can already teleport inanimate objects. And then he gets offended because she gets out a tape recorder and reveals that she's a journalist, which seemed obvious the entire time. But so I don't know that was a little bit weird to me. Yeah. That all of a sudden he's like, no, no, you can't, you know, do a paper on this or whatever. And so. She goes back, so there's a, there's really just one more character in this movie besides the two of them, right? It's her ex-boyfriend, who's like her boss also at Particle Magazine. The editor. Yes. So she goes back to him. He very clearly is still in love with her. And so there's like this jealousy issue that goes on throughout the movie. And slowly, okay, so what happens? They're, they're together. They, they start like hooking up, Veronica and, uh, and Seth. Yeah. And then she decides that she's going to, like, do a long-term story. So she's not just going to do one little story about the teleportation. She's going to, like, live there, you know, almost and and catalog everything that happens. And then he realizes that she leaves in the night to go see her ex-boyfriend. Do you remember why that is? Uh, Because this is what happened. Um, The night that uh, the monkey went through the baboon successfully. Uh Uh-huh. which is weird. He got baboons just kicking it at his crib. Yep. Um, <laughs> just in case. Just in case he needs something, you know. And uh, they was excited and they were celebrating. Mm-hmm. And um, oh, she right. got a package from 
the the ex boyfriend that arrived at the house saying that he was about to edit the story. Right. And he she didn't want him. Yeah, to he was going to spill the beans prematurely. Yeah. Yes. So she went to his. She rushed down to talk to him about mm-hmm. it without he, telling Seth. Without she's telling just, Seth, mm-hmm. he's drunk, thinking she dissed him to go be with the other guy, and he was like, "I'm about to just teleport myself." Right. That's what men do. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Men get drunk and, and decide. just be like, "I do it myself." <laughs> So then he goes through, and of course, this is the whole uh, catalyst of the film. A fly sneaks into his yeah. teleporter, and the baboon come to the window like, hey. you don't see that motherfucking fly in there? And he, they <laughs> don't like, understand. Nope. <laughs> he just put his hands on the glass. Yeah, yeah. Very strange. And so he comes through and appears to be fine at first. And so... The movie is essentially a series of mutations yeah. that he goes through, slowly becoming not not a fly, but a uh, a fusion of fly and man, yeah. which he calls Brundlefly uh, because his last name is Brundle. And so he like kind of starts to try to figure out how to cure himself, but that doesn't really go anywhere. Uh, and then, am I missing anything? Yeah, the chick uh, ends up pregnant. She dreams she's have a, she has a larvae. Right, that's one of the most memorable. A, that was a terrible scene. Yes. Oh my god, that's never gonna leave my brain. And then, uh, and then he wants her to, I guess, infuse. Uh, uh, he wants to like do something with her and the baby. In like together, right? He wants yeah. The all computer of them. tells him that the only way that he's going to do it is if he dilutes the DNA with more pure human DNA. Yeah. Right, right. Which he tries first. He goes to a bar because he like you know they get into a fight and he kicks out Veronica and they I don't need you anymore. You're jealous of me. Some because she's basically saying like, hey man, you're turning into a fucking fly. Something's wrong with you. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, face, no, yeah. I feel better than ever. And so he goes to a bar to try and get a human back to the lab to fuse their DNA so he can be a little more human yeah. right that's the point of that and so well, actually, he, I think oh, at go. that point he was more like he wanted them to become superhuman he didn't realize how screwed oh, up he was he was right. like I'm better than ever yes. look at the shit I can do yes. I'm awesome, awesome. I want this I want a woman who's just as awesome as I am and yes. she wouldn't do it <laughs> yes. and that's when he ditched her and went for the went went to the bar bar lady and, and broke the guy's wrist and that the, was the arm wrestling and then walked out with the chick <laughs> yeah he got yeah. he gets yeah so he goes to a bar and there's a lady that's like dating I don't know if they're dating but like she's with this guy and he challenges him to because well, first he's like hitting on this girl which gets the dude upset and then he's like hey you know what I'll challenge you and if I win I'm taking your girl taking your girl and I guess she's like okay cool well she wasn't with it at first but when he carried all the way up those steps she was like you know what this could work out I'm into this, <laughs> this guy's but really it was two strong. guys at a bar just arm wrestling anyway what's up with that I don't know yeah they were just arm wrestling and then he challenges him and then just completely tears his hand off of his arm yeah <laughs> like it, there's blood and he like you can hear the bones breaking it's like way over the top there's no he could have very easily just beaten him but I guess Cronenberg we're going full accelerator yeah. here so go for it also, by the way, I don't know anybody in their right mind who would see someone break someone's hand off and then be like, yeah, I'm going home with you, stranger. That's a courageous move. I mean, those are women of the 80s. They tough. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. They wanted the strongest guy available, I guess. They so tough. They birthed millennials or whatever. I don't know if they did or not. <laughs> um, so, they, so, yeah. They go back. She doesn't want to go in the teleporter. And that's actually when Veronica comes back and warns her with a very famous line. She mm-hmm. says, be afraid, be very afraid, which they put on all the posters. And it's been, like, replicated, but nobody remembers, I guess, that it's from The Fly. Oh. 
Oh, I didn't remember. Yeah, that's where that's from. And also, it originated from Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks was the producer on this film because they couldn't at first get the funding. They couldn't get the, the studio to fund the movie. So they said, like, listen, you get funding from somewhere else, we'll sign the movie. And so they went to Mel Brooks because he had made a couple other, you know, like non-comedy movies before. Yeah. And he said he'd be down to do it, but he's not going to attach his name because people will think it's like silly. Yeah. So it was like a secret for a while that he was producing this film. But while talking with Cronenberg, uh, mm. he said that that's how someone should react. Someone should say, be afraid, be very afraid. I thought that was cool. Wow. Yeah. Ain't that something? All his contributions Mel to Brooks, comedy man. and then also, yeah, famous sci-fi film and line. Damn. Pretty sweet. Anyways, towards the end, uh, he becomes this like really more fly than man creature. Yeah, start falling off. Yeah, yeah. Pieces just <laughs> in start the mirror. Falling. Yeah, that was interesting. His scene. fingernails fall oh, off, and weird. his ear falls off, and it's like his face becomes like a fly face. It's really they did they they won an Academy Award for the for the effects. So, and I totally understand why. And it basically. They're about to, he's about to achieve what he's trying to achieve, which is having the baby in Veronica and Veronica and himself kind of like morph into one thing. But the ex-boyfriend comes in and in a really hilarious fashion, he comes into the lab and he has a a shotgun with him, but it's in pieces. So I thought it was so funny that like he doesn't know what he's encountering. He hasn't seen this fucking thing before. And he's going into this lab with this dangerous creature, but his shotgun is in pieces. So he has to go in there and put it down and open it up and start connecting the pieces yeah. and like <laughs> make the make the shotgun and then load it up. And then so finally he he gets it and he shoots the uh connector to the to the telepod. Well, that's after his arm get that's yeah. 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 I'm skipping over some oh, okay, stuff. Okay, okay, yeah. Go ahead. No, I mean you you should correct me. <laughs> no, no, definitely. Yeah, they are uh, that that stuff that uh flies use to digest their food. <laughs> uh it came out of his mouth and it melted this guy's arm and his leg. <laughs> You That's right. I mean? yeah, but they like didn't really ankle. fuck up the shoes, which is good. Yeah, yeah. Thank God he still has those nice shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and then he, yeah, so that happens. So you think he's out of the picture. I mean, God, right. he just had his hand and foot dissolved. You know, all right, that's the end of that guy. Yeah, he's not coming back. He does come back, saves the day. And really, we've kind of hated him the whole movie. Like, yeah. he's kind of seemed like a jerk the entire time. And then really saves the day, shoots this teleporter cable. You know, he comes out and he's like all fucked up and there's like a mercy kill. That's basically how the movie ends is that he is like he comes up and you think he's going to attack her, but he's really just so miserable and so defeated. And she she points the shotgun and then she like points it away like I can't do it. And he grabs the shotgun with his weird fly limb. I'm sure you have a more appropriate term for that and points it at his head like end me. And she does. And it explodes. Hamburger meat everywhere. <laughs> All over the place. Yeah. Another uh, animal gone. Cujo. <laughs> oh, yellow. The fly. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll pour one out for Brundlefly. Um, but so, okay, yeah, that's pretty much the summary of the movie. Would you agree? I didn't miss anything. Yeah, uh, yeah for the most part. For yeah. the most part. There, we'll go over some more stuff. Um, but before we get into all of that, I want to play this game, which I'm calling A Brundle of Fly Facts. Brundle of Fly Facts. And so I'm basically going to ask you, some are yes or no, some are just completely open-ended. Uh, but Byron, I want you to answer first to all of these, because I assume Doug will know the answers. Are you prepared? Yes. Doug, are you prepared? Yeah. How many species of flies are there on Earth? 
uh, um, just what comes to my head is like three thousand or something. Okay, Doug, that's a lot. Yeah, described species about one hundred and twenty-five thousand. Great. So yeah, I have over a hundred thousand. So and that's big. out of an estimated like one million that are actually out there undiscovered. Right. So that's why we're discovering them all the time. I mm-hmm. guess. Yep. Okay. So that was crazy to me. Um, where that do is f- crazy. That's scary too. <laughs> it's that's frightening. Scary. Just think about it. All the vertebrates, you know, all fish, birds, mammals, everything put together. That's only like 60, 65,000. Yeah, so that's the problem. That's like twice as many just, just fly species. Y'all still discovering new insects. Oh, yeah. Meanwhile, we, we like, this is it for us, for yeah. vertebrates. We like riding our sir. Everything's <laughs> getting, you know, extinct. Yeah, we're going know? down in numbers. They're probably mm-hmm. just more and more all the time. Yeah, it's just they're they're not really increasing in numbers. It's just oh. we're finding them and oh. figuring out what they yeah. are. Got it. Uh, where do flies lay their eggs? It's different. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm here to challenge you today. I don't know where mosquitoes lay their eggs, so I'm just gonna go with that. Okay. In uh, water. Okay. Still water. What do you got? Depends on which flies. I with have a, with 125,000 kinds. There's they do all sorts of stuff. All sorts of stuff. Some of them lay eggs in people. Some of them lay eggs in rotting vegetation some of them lay <laughs> eggs and other insects oy vey as they say a lot of, yeah. a lot of parasites <laughs> uh, yeah I have here fruit food other animals rotting flesh so basically where they get food source yeah I guess they shit where they eat so to speak yeah but, but one and thing and they eat shit one thing about most of them most of them lay their eggs in places that are moist Okay. Moist. So that's it's, just like it's, a. It's a thing that's pretty much true for flies because of the way their eggs are put together. They're not like mm-hmm. other insect eggs. They don't have. There's most insect eggs have extra layers of membrane that help them keep from drying out. Oh. And fly eggs don't have that. Oh. So. So it has to be in a moist environment. Most of them, yeah. Most of them lay in most a dry moist. place. So do there I. are exceptions, but <laughs> what is that general mean? rule? I lay my eggs in something moist. <laughs> Great. Why don't you just fill it out? Um, okay. Do flies have teeth? <laughs> No, uh, I think this one what uh, has that solution that it <laughs> that it uses to help softens the food. So That's it right. Can slurp it up. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Well, depends again uh, on the species. Not not all flies have digestion outside their mouth, but mm. none of them have jaws. Oh, none of them. That's have one jaws. of the one but of the, some that's have one teeth. reason. That's one way you can tell whether something's a fly or not. Oh. It has two wings and has. Uh, Mouth parts that are modified for taking up liquids, so they can't. Great. They can't chew solid food. Okay. So that's why the whole uh, mm-hmm. melting barf mm-hmm. ordeal. Like some old people. I get it. <laughs> it says they have a tongue, a uh, large tongue called a proboscis. 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 Who named that? Proboscis. I don't know. That's oh, just the Latin term for a nose. Yeah. <laughs> But it's oh, like a tongue, it says. Is that lands. not true? That it comes out and like slurps stuff? Yeah. Okay. I mean, but... Proboscis. Proboscis is... So usually it refers to a nose. I mean, it's mm-hmm. something that comes out of your face. And Oh, okay. <laughs> Got it. Proboscis. Proboscis. So we all know now that proboscis means nose, but is sort of like a straw tongue for flies. For flies. Just for flies, though. But like, yeah. the, have you ever heard of proboscis monkey? Nope. Is that the one with the weird thing? With nose? a weird nose. Yeah, proboscis. that's why it's called a proboscis monkey because it's got there a big go. weird nose. And okay. Latin was on it. It's the Latin language was on it discovering yeah, species. Yeah, we got to learn Latin. I feel like to understand <laughs> any of this stuff. Um, okay, 
flies can see 360 degrees. Yes or no? Oh, yes. I'm going to say yes. Pretty close to it. Okay. Yeah, I have the, I have yes, and that it's something called amatidia. Omatidia. Omatidia. Yeah, their eyes, are, they have compound eyes. So each, each of the two eyes is made up of thousands of, or, well, from dozens to thousands of little tiny eyelets. Okay. That all go into the same nerve bundle. So Ooh. basically the, the first brain that a fly has is the brain that's connected to the eyes. And okay. then they have other brains throughout the body. Other brains? What are we talking about here? How many brains does a fly have? Yeah, a bunch of them. A bunch of it's, them? What no, does that's, mean? That's the, way, that's the way a lot of insects and other arthropods are put together. They have multiple brains. I mean, even dinosaurs had an extra brain in their hips because they were so big. What? In, insects have... Insects <laughs> Octopus have, got multiple brains. Ins- yeah? Yeah. yeah. Well, there's, there's lots of things that have more than one thing that would... Well, I mean... Didn't know about this. Depends on how technical you want to get about the definition of a brain. But, I mean, there, there are things called ganglia. And so, you know, there's like three things in the front of an insect that are the primary brain. And okay. then there's other ganglia throughout the body that run different parts Whoa. of the body behind there. So, like, when if you tear an insect in half... You know the the two halves can still move independently because they both have you know uh, some brain stuff that's connected to them. See how sophisticated it is. Yeah, I Up until recently, all cars got six or seven brains in them. <laughs> when I, they started in the seventies, the car had one brain. That's how I feel behind as a human. You know. Yeah, I mean <laughs> our brain is very advanced, but if you split me in half, I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm dead. Mm-mm. How often? So wait a minute. If you tear a insect in half, you're telling me they can still survive for a uh, no period. But of time? I mean, they can. St- the the brain will still move. It's that, it's that okay. you, you can you okay. can tear lots of you know depending. I not I'm not encouraging people to go out and do this, but yeah, yeah, if you tear an insect apart, different you know depending on how you do it, the parts can survive for a while. I mean, there's there's all, there's all sorts of little anecdotes about you know how long a roach can survive after you've pulled its head off. Right. And if you keep feeding it and doing things like that, it actually can survive for a long time. It Whoa. won't be able to feed itself without a head. Right. But if you're doing it in a laboratory, you know, there there are... Have you done that? No. Nothing like that? No. But it's going on in some laboratory somewhere. Yeah, which he knows about. Well, there's there's reasons for doing that. I mean, there there's all sorts of medical breakthroughs that come out of research like that. Some and generally Hitler. speaking, people are happy when there are medical breakthroughs, you know, even if there are some weird things that go on getting there. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Why? See, to kill the species, you got to understand the species. And That's to understand right. the species, you got to you got to kill it. You got to break it in half yeah. and both halves. You got to just pull parts off and see what happens. <laughs> see where the brains are at because you never know, it could be hiding a brain in its hip. Yep. All right. Um, third right roach specialist. <laughs> <laughs> if you know any third right roach specialists, I want their names. Yeah. I want that list. Doug. According to researchers at NASA, the genes of fruit flies match what percent of the discovered human disease genes? Wait, start. Wait. I'll give it to you again. It's a confusing sentence. According to researchers at NASA, Mm-hmm. The genes of fruit flies match what percent of the discovered human disease genes? Um, diabetes. Is that a disease? I'm asking for the percent. You are right. Oh, but it is. It's a it's a disease. I'm just asking what percent do they match? The genes match. Uh, one I'm out gonna of say 100. like for for them to even come out with it, it gotta be like a high probability of like like ninety. I'm gonna say around ninety. The answer is seventy-seven. Uh, did you know that, or was that? That's that's 
I would have guessed a little bit lower than that. Okay. Because there's a lot of genes in a fly that aren't in common with humans, right. so it's surprising that there's there's that much overlap. They we've it, been we've been we've been separated from them by millions and millions of years of uh, evolution. So there's not an awful lot that we still have in common with them. Right. So it's, right. it's surprising that there's still that much. Seems like they winning though. <laughs> Seems yeah. like they're the ones that evolved the right way. There's a bunch of them. Um, apparently, they use fruit flies in a bunch of. Uh, Study. Is there a reason for that? Are they closer to us than... No, it's because they're really easy to rear in a laboratory and get, you know, oh. breed them super fast. I mean, it takes like a week to go through a generation. So, Whoa. yeah, you can do a lot of research, and especially for stuff that has to do with genetics. They got their genome is pretty well mapped out. So mm. it's, it's a good... Uh, it's like having a Rosetta Stone. You know, it tra- translates to a lot of other things. Okay. So you figure that out. You've got a lot of answers right there. Hit it. Oh, I thought you were going like this because you had a question. Oh, no, no. I didn't have a question. I'm just trying to pull the mic. <laughs> Are there fruit flies in space? Uh, I'm going to say no. <laughs> Dr. Doug? I don't know if they have them up there right now, but they've certainly been sent there. That's so correct. I, so have honeybees. Oh, I didn't know about honeybees. Yeah, that was one of the first things they sent up into space on Whoa. the space shuttle. That's cool. Why did they send them up there to like start making a... Honey? No, no. This was this was actually a cool experiment. There was like some high school students had this brilliant idea. They had this program that did you know come up with an idea for stuff to send up in the space shuttle when they first started the shuttle program. Okay. And one of the first things they sent up was this tank that contained flies, like house flies, uh-huh. moths, and honeybees. Whoa. And they wanted to see how they acted in zero gravity. Okay. And it was it was an awesome little experiment. And it was just this great little thing. The moths. Couldn't fly at all. They'd, they'd flap their wings and they'd just go tumbling randomly. Whoa. The, f- the flies would sit there, and when they'd take off, they, they would hit their wings and they'd go, bzz, and they'd just go spinning out of control, completely Whoa. helpless. So the flies and the moths were, were terrible at it. Uh-huh. The honeybees, the first few times they tried to fly, they'd do the same thing, but then they figured it out. And they immediately <sighs> would stop folding their wings, and they would just push to get from point A to point B, just Whoa. like a person in zero gravity. So honeybees, this is this is something that nature could never have evolved them for, because a honeybee never in its evolutionary history was exposed to zero gravity. Yeah. But they figured out how you should act in zero gravity if you want to get, get around. So honeybees are really, really smart. Hence why the aliens always look like bugs. Because <laughs> yep. they transferred, they learned how to survive and became the species, and we like, we got to take over. That makes sense. What other, like, what's the smartest flying insect? I don't even know if the insect well, is I the mean, right word. If you, if you look at what people have done research on, it's, mm-hmm. you know, the honeybees, hands down. They're, they're like the only animal other than humans that has an abstract symbolic language. So they're pretty damn smart. How do they communicate? What language are you talking the, about? The dance language of the honeybees. This is one of the only times an entomologist ever got a Nobel Prize. So those Ooh. of us who are in entomology, we take some pride in that. It was Carl von Frisch Ooh. who discovered the dance language of the honeybees and how that all translated. And, uh, you know, like, they use they, it's I, symbolic. So okay. they, they point at an angle that is a symbolic representation of where the sun is in the sky at any given time. <laughs> okay. And they also change the, how the 
how long the dance is based on what the distance is to the food source, and they vibrate their body so that's another symbolic representation of how good the food is. Oh my so God. if they vibrate a lot, it's really good food. If they go a long distance, that means it's a long distance from the hive, and if they point in a certain direction, that's where the sun is at any given time, and they change over the course of the day. So even when the sun's on the other side of the earth, if you make a honeybee dance, it can point to where the sun is, even though it's on the other side of the planet. Oh, my God. So honeybees are pretty dang smart. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what could even be number two or how close that that would be. That sounds really advanced. Well, it's, it's, it's language. It's something that the other animals don't have. I mean, wow. probably in terms of thinking power, something like an octopus and some of the squids and cuttlefish, Man, yeah. those are pretty dang smart. They're smart. And they're probably smarter than honeybees on an individual basis, but they don't right. have a symbolic language as far as we know. Mm. I mean, you I mean know, that's if you, so if you hard watched, to discover, though, I feel. Like, how would you... I don't know how... Uh, it takes a lot of observation for that sort of stuff. Sativa and uh, observation. <laughs> but Binoculars like, and... If you watch cuttlefish, if you ever see some of the videos Man. of these things, they change colors and shapes all the time uh-huh. and there probably are sending all sorts of interesting signals that right. we don't really understand what they mean Whoa. so you know I ran up on 20 in the Dominican Republic and it was all in a line uh, sloping down with the with the sand okay. it was some alien like type shit Whoa. and they was changing colors they all faced the same way and they yeah, were still amazing. and the ocean and everything around them moved but somehow they managed to stay perfectly Still in a line Whoa. that sloped down as with the as the ocean sloped down, and it was the craziest one of the craziest things I've ever seen in person in, yeah. in the water. I've never even heard of that. That's really. And the intense. second was the octopus. I was in Elot last year in uh, Israel, and um, I saw how they hunt with this with these other fish. They use other fish to drive the other uh, animals up. Uh-huh. And um, I saw the other fish first, and then I saw. This dark maroon uh, thing just hovering, and it flashed to like white and black. Which when I see all the specials, I think I always think it's like a they saturate the colors, right? Mm-hmm. No, it's in the ocean, straight white and black, and then it it uh, went up against a rock and uh, and it, everything happened so fast the way it changed colors and changed and it became like a piece of the rock. Whoa. You know, and you cannot not take your eyes off of it because you don't know where it is. Oh no! And then as it got comfortable, <laughs> so it started to come back out as it watched you. So yeah, that was it's some stuff down there, man. Man. But yeah, they smart. They definitely smart. Oh, I've had no idea we we're gonna get into this, and I love it so much. <laughs> this is great. Oh, no, that's some cool stuff. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, here's one for you. This is a good one. Am I scared of bees, wasps, hornets, and any flying insects that are f- slightly bigger than a fly? That, yes. Okay, that is that is correct. Uh, I'd ask you for your specialty on it, but uh, but that's just something I'm scared of. I'm from the south. Are you from here? I'm from South Florida. Okay, so we got hornets. Yeah. We got the big bees. We got the yellow jackets. Yep. We got the hornets. Where are you from? I'm from Georgia. I'm from oh, okay, Georgia, okay. so... The hornets and the yellow jackets. Yellow jackets start to get into the scary look. But once totally. you see a hornet, it's like a it's like looking at a sports car. It's like a beefed up yeah man <laughs> beat. and that's when they get start to look scary because they look so aggressive in the way they move. Oh yeah, and they're loud. Yeah, you can hear that buzz. I mean, if I'm accurately uh, describing a hornet here, I don't know, but I've seen what I thought was a hornet a few times, and it just totally freaked me out. Yeah. I couldn't handle it. And they also have these, uh, I don't know if they have them in Georgia, but they had these, like, 
I don't know what they're called, but basically like, they look like a huge cockroaches, but they fly also. Oh, we call them water bugs. Water bugs. Yeah. Okay, interesting. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? That's, that's the American like, cockroach. Oh, really? Yep. I saw them in like also known lots. as palmetto bugs. Palmetto bugs. That's right. Yeah. That's right. They got they got all sorts of names for that. That thing's worldwide. That, and that's a, that's a pest, and they can get pretty big. And like most yeah. most roaches fly, so it's, oh. it's it's only actually exceptional ones that don't. See, how does that? To me, that's like a really there's something just instinctual that it freaks me out. That I see that and I just want to get away from it. I'm so scared, <laughs> just like naturally, innately scared. But you have maybe the opposite reaction. I mean, you study this type of stuff. So is there something that, like when you were little, that you like saw, I don't know, a hornet and just thought like that's actually really cool and I like this? No, you just you just get used you learn. Okay. And you you learn that there's nothing to be afraid of. If well, you know if you know what you're you. doing, yeah. But if you know what you're doing, they won't do yeah. it. They're they're really not gen- well unless you're poking a nest. Yeah. You're, you're generally not going to get attacked by any of those insects. You're a way bigger than they are, and they are a lot more afraid of you than well maybe than you should be <laughs> right, afraid I was of them. Say, I don't know. As a but, civilian, yeah, I agree. The more you you learn about these different things, you you become less afraid. Uh, I got because you know more. they're not unless you make them aggressive mm-hmm. or they fear something then right. you know that it'll be a problem I but i mean so. you know when it comes to things like honeybees and yellow jackets yellow jackets are way worse you know honey honeybees get this bad rap most of it's you know based on people getting stung by yellow jackets yep. mm. you, know, you poke a yellow jacket hive you're going to get stung a lot and they can yep. sting repeatedly honeybees Whoa. can only sting once and then they die so they got to be real mm-hmm. selective that's right they got muskets <laughs> honeybees got honeybees muskets. walking around with muskets the yeah. yellow jackets and which ones do you have to uh the African killer bees. What species is that? It's the same species as the, the regular honeybees. Oh, it's the same. It's species? the same species. They're just they're just not domesticated. I mean, it's like a wolf and a husky. Which one yeah. would you, you know? Husky, you know, yeah, like hey, he's this chill little dog yeah. here. And then a wolf is like, oh, you know, you watch your step Look around out. that. Yeah, same kind of thing. Wow. I just know that yeah, the, those and like maybe yellow jackets. Some of them is just more more of them. Oh right. Yeah, I mean it's definitely scarier when there's multiple. I mean, at least for me, it's, mm-hmm. I get freaked out easy, and I, mean, I don't know why. I don't know if it's the sound because the sound kind of terrifies me. I think. Well, just it's designed general. to do that. I mean, that's why they make the sound is to warn things away. They don't want to have to, you know, sting and attack things if they don't have to. If they can frighten you off, just so with much the sound. better. Wow, I'm more scared of crips than honeybees or, or snakes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, but I guess how often are you, you know, like in a jacuzzi and you know a crip? Rolls up on you. Does that happen? <laughs> well, I mean, because <laughs> for me, probably in Jamaica, it would, but no, other than that, no, it don't really happen a lot. <laughs> yeah, I just get, I don't know, in in my normal, I'll just like park my car and then be walking back and just be embarrassed, you know, because I'm like walking really fast because I know there's a bee near me, and I don't know why. I don't. Again, like I guess the sound. I guess because I don't understand. Maybe that's part of it, where it's like my brain doesn't understand how like it's flying around. And I don't know what it wants, and I don't, I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of it's going to be just instinct, right? And and I mean, even me, you know, at this point in my career and everything, you drop a spider on me, and I'm still going to, you know, like yeah. get that thing off of me, okay? Because it's a spider. Yeah. I mean, if it was it a bug, scary. if I look at it and I see that it's a bug, uh-huh. then I don't react. You know, it's like, oh, cool, it's a bug. If I look at it and I see it's a spider, and it's like, yeah, and it's it's just it makes sense. sometimes you can't. Well, no, what it doesn't make sense. It doesn't I think make it, sense. it makes sense to me. Uh, what about a cockroach? Cockroach doesn't. No, it's cockroach like, oh, it's a cockroach. For, yeah, they looking for water. They looking for a food supply. 
I guess so. A spider is like well, spiders don't. They don't. There isn't a single spider in the world that feeds on human blood. It's so not, why, it's, what difference does it make? If there's a spider on you. Any moment, you know what I mean? They could just be like, "What is this?" You know. It seems like that. That's how I, it looks like. It looks yeah, like it's supposed though. to make you afraid. Like the eight legs and stuff just looks freaky. I was in Joshua Tree with my lady, and um, it was like 96 degrees outside, and everything's dry and hot. And we was out, and then bees just start coming. It oh, started no. one, two, then like 15 showed up. Whoa. And she started freaking out. And I was like, don't pay attention to them. And it got loud. Oh. When it's a bunch of them around, it's just like a big buzz of... Oh, that was probably a swarm moving through. Yeah. And oh. um, that's when they're least dangerous is when they're when a swarm is going from point A to point B. <laughs> it does not seem still, like that. She still got bit. She was the most afraid. And I was like, let's go. But she's the one that got... I was like, mm. don't swing at it. Yeah. Just keep moving. Did she swing? Did she? I think do something? she might have swung, but oh. you don't agitate when it's that many, right? Because they got, you know, like you said, they get send. They got a way of communicating. Well, if you hit one, it gives off a pheromone. Yep. And that pheromone triggers the others to attack. Whoa. See, that's the thing. So that doesn't seem like the least dangerous time. That seems like the most dangerous no, no, time. I mean, that's if you're standing still. They're not going to no, bother you. Yeah, but if you true. hit them, if you crush a honeybee when yeah. there's other honeybees around, you're going to get attacked because it gives off the gas that's okay. like, hey, there's something here that's attacking us. What if they, like, can they think that you're a flower or something that they want to mess with? They're just, they just ignore you for the most part. Okay. Well, so, even if they land on you, it's, it's, like, it's like, you know, some of these things can sense your fear. Mm. You give off certain <laughs> things also. You don't think so? <laughs> I don't think so. Maybe uh. not, but... <laughs> Either way, the most most afraid so. person got, and everybody was nervous. Yeah. It was just so many of them, but. Do you think there are animals that can sense your fear? Because there are, right, like, I don't oh, know, well, yeah. dogs or tigers yeah. or something? Dogs and cats and things like that can pick up on all sorts of nonverbal cues like that. Okay. So, yeah. But insects, eh. No. Yeah. Yeah, there you hear it. you have it, people. Yeah, there you have it. Okay, so listen, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll get more into the movie and more into some fly knowledge. Is that cool with you guys? Oh sure. yeah, definitely. Great. Hi everybody, hope you're enjoying the show. You know, if you're like me, you have dreams. You have things that you wish would come to fruition, and maybe they don't sometimes, but maybe sometimes they do, and that is very exciting. One time I was sitting with some friends and I was complaining about how I wanted Bjork and Timbaland to do a collaboration, to do some songs together, when a friend informed me that indeed they have done that, and then we listened to those songs and by golly, they are fantastic. And that was a moment where my dreams came true right in front of my face and maybe you are a seeker geeker i don't know if they call their fans that but maybe you love seeker all things and you wish that they curated an event in san francisco uh, at a cool place like the california academy of sciences uh, in golden gate park and you wish that they had all sorts of cool vr experiences and robots and future food and live talks maybe even a live bad science show and you want to go to that well that dream has come true because on August 23rd, that's exactly what's happening. It's called Beyond Human Nightlife. And it's August 23rd at 6 p.m. Tickets are 15 bucks if you're a non-member. But if you're a member of California Academy of Sciences, it's $12. And I will be there talking with Paul Shear about Blade Runner. So that will be an extraordinarily fun day for me and probably for you as well if you're there. Because VR is fun and there's some sort of... Uh, aquatic dream vision quest that they're I didn't make that up that's an actual event that's part of the event 
uh, which should be a lot of fun. I am looking forward to that. There's also a virtual human emotion lab, which I don't know what that means, but I'm very curious. And trippy applications of NeuroSky, Electrofound... I can't pronounce this stuff, but I promise you it's very cool. I've been told it has something to do with holograms, which I'm very interested in. Anyways, I'll see you there in San Francisco, August 23rd, if you live there. And if not, you could drive there, or you could fly there, or take a boat if you wanted to take a boat on the water. Uh, or you could take a boat on land, but it's much more difficult. I've tried. So I'll see you there, and uh, now let's get back to the show. The break is over. Here we go, back to the show about science. Okay, we're back. We've re-upped on the Reese's. That's right. Uh, frozen Reese's, if I'm frozen not mistaken. Frozen Reese's, you know. Uh, so if you're listening seven and you, of them. you want a treat, go get yourself seven frozen Reese's, and, uh, and you'll be prepped for this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Get a little boost. You get a little, little sugar boost. Speaking of sugar, that's a perfect uh, segue, actually. I wanted to talk about that because in the movie, he's becoming a fly, and he goes crazy for stuff with sugar. He's eating donuts and all kinds of stuff. And so... Do flies have a, you know, a craving for sugar that's more than anything else? Seems like that he did. Well, for the kind of flies that are going to be scavengers, which is, I mean, one of the things that they, you know, you, you want a little bit of nerd rage there. Oh, yeah. They they even, like, tried to show a picture of the fly on the computer screen. And that was, like, just some artist's rendition of a fly. That was not an actual fly. Well, that, that was not a real species. I mean, it was not, there was just... That was not uh, based was fictitious. on fictitious. <laughs> it was a fictitious fly. <laughs> That's ridiculous. But I mean, he, he himself mentions you know th- that about the house fly. So uh-huh. he knew what a what a house fly was, but that wasn't a house fly that they showed in that graphic. So. Well, the computer in general is like ridiculous yeah. in this movie. They speak very colloquially with this computer. He just like types in random questions, mm-hmm. which is kind of I guess like an old movie trope about computers, right? Right. And just ask but him I mean, like, why is this happening? <laughs> computer answers him. Yeah, but when when you get, the, I mean, if you have a house fly, they're they're gonna be scavenging on stuff like that, and yeah, their their antennae are tuned in for things that they can get in as easy resources, and you know, a sweet liquid like that, that'll that'll certainly trigger them and get their attention. Okay, so is it? What's like, the whole poo thing though? They like. Well, that's depends on the fly. I mean, if it's something that lays its eggs and and poo then that's going to be the only thing that it can smell because its whole life depends on smelling that resource and getting there and laying its eggs on wow just like the flies that lay eggs on corpses that's all that their antennae are tuned to is the smell of a corpse and they're going to go straight for it that's amazing so so do you think like so it depends on the on the fly and where it was born on what it is going to need to reproduce okay so, I mean, if it's one that feeds on fruit, it's going to smell fruit, and that's all it's going to be able to smell, basically. Wow. If it's one that feeds on blood, it's going to have sensors for, for tracking infrared and things like that. So they've, got, they've only got what they need. They don't have a lot of extra sensory apparatus that picks up on other stuff that's like focused. we do. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. focused. Super focused. You can't focused. be a fruit fly and just. I, 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 when I grew up, I just dreamed I want to be a, a shit sniffing fly. No, <laughs> no, this is no. what you do right here. Yeah, this is all you can this do. This is amazing. So if so, the house fly is, I assume, the one that's like generally in our homes. Yeah. So they're they're scavengers. They're gonna have they're gonna have a pretty broad range of stuff that they're gonna respond to. They're not just gonna go after anything, but they will go after a lot of different things. And sugar is a good resource. I okay. Mean, it's a lot of a lot of energy there. A lot of energy and sugar. Okay, that makes sense. But it's associated with like things like fermenting fruit. 
Mm-hmm. And it could, but it could be like you said, it could be garbage. It could be mm-hmm. uh, food that's left out of any sorts. Right. Um, Do wine get them drunk? Um, actually, a lot of insects can get a little tipsy. <laughs> it depends on it depends on the thing. But I mean, you can get bees tipsy on certain types of nectar. You can get flies oh. a little drunk. You know, they don't. What about the trick of like putting? You know, to like catch flies, don't don't people you like put wine and I don't know some soap or something in a cup and then you like cover it and put you you put holes and then it like goes in there and gets it'll stuck. catch certain types of flies. Okay, but not not everything. I mean, like I said, mm. you know, there's 125,000 species of flies. But what about you're like only going to catch a, hand, you know, a handful of those species in a trap like that? Yeah, yeah. But the house flies, the that house a good flies, move? one of the, yeah, that's that's one that like I said feeds on a lot of different stuff. So they'll 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 they're suckers. Okay, what would you what would you do? What's the go to move if you discover that there's flies, you know, in your kitchen? You put up a sticky trap. A sticky trap. That's what fly paper's for. Okay, that's the go to move. That's the go to move. They land on that and they get stuck, and that's a, that's the end of that fly. You it works. It's a hundred percent. That's the, that's. You hear that, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, fly paper. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the way to go. Um, okay, cool. Yeah. Stop wasting your money on all these different fly traps. You know what I mean? Yeah, we're not here to endorse that shit. We're here to sponsor Reese's, and we're here to sponsor Flypaper, <laughs> and nothing else. Um, okay, what about Strength? In the movie, he gets real strong and starts kicking a lot of ass. He, like, punches a wall a few times and breaks... breaks that guy's wrist. <laughs> breaks that guy's wrist, yeah. So are flies very strong? Relative to their size, yeah, but that's that's going to be true just about any really tiny thing. I mean, you know, there's there's... There's all sorts of things that go on. See, there's there's like different levels of stuff in the in terms of the science in this movie. Some of it's bad physics, some of it's bad biochemistry, some of it's bad behavior. You know, depends on what level you're talking about. Okay. That that kind of thing is mostly physics. Okay. You know, when you're something the size of an ant, you're going to be you know able to lift a hundred times your body weight because you're so small and you don't weigh anything. Mm. It's that's just the mechanical thing that comes from being like two millimeters long. Okay. So you know, flies for their size, they're going to be disproportionately strong. But you know, that's only because they're that big. If you blew a fly up to the size of a person, mm-hmm. you know, he says something like, you know, a hundred and fifty something pound fly. Yeah. It wouldn't be able to move. It couldn't lift itself off the floor. It wouldn't even be able to breathe. Whoa. It would suffocate and crush under its own weight if it was the size of a person. Okay. So it doesn't matter how strong a fly is in a fly size. It's just, you know, right. you're, you're, it's all the physics is off there. Okay. But a bee would adjust. Yep, they would figure it out. <laughs> they would figure it out. Yeah, if you had a bee the size of a person, it would have the same problem. It would just crush its body. Not in not in space. Not uh, in space. That's not true. In space. <laughs> we could have giant bees in space. That's right. Giant bees in space is a movie oh, that we should a, come yeah, up with. Is, that sounds like a title. <laughs> giant, Call the shark people. Giant Call the shark NATO. Didn't they have that in Futurama? <laughs> giant giant bees space, space bees. I don't know. I haven't seen that episode. We'll Pretty sure some, they did. That title alone is just is just good. I mean, that's going to get people in the seats. Giant bees in space. I want to check that out. That's already very scary to me. Bees are scary to me. Space is scary <laughs> to me. Giant bees in space. I'm, I'm buying a ticket right now. Um, are there are there examples of like what flies can do that displays their strength, uh, even from that small size? Like, do they pick stuff up and carry it to somewhere else, or like what? There's not that many flies that'll do that sort of thing. That'll pick things up and carry them. There are a few. Okay. Um, there's some flies that like carry prey items around. Like mm-hmm. if you if you know what a robber fly is. No. Nope. 
Uh, it's a type of predatory fly that hunt other insects in midair, and they swoop in on them from behind and jab their their mouth parts into their necks Whoa. and and inject venom and and you know liquefy the insides of their prey. And Whoa. so they will fly around with prey <laughs> items that are almost as big as they are. They're uh, like spies. They're like Russian spies. No, they're pr- they're pretty they're pretty neat robber flies. And some of them look like bees. You 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 know it takes a an entomologist in some of these cases to tell that it's not a bee Whoa. because things learn to avoid bees because they don't want to get stung yeah, yeah. and these flies will turn around and they will attack bees so we got an outfit too yep. yeah we got a secret <laughs> so, yeah so there are robber flies those are about the only ones that'll go carrying things around but that's because they're predators okay you know and that's that's what you got to do for that kind of lifestyle they should be like they should change the name because robbers, that sounds like they sound too classy for robbers. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Hey, robbers like a venom low in level. Your neck and all that. Yeah, spy flies or like uh, I don't know. Um, he starts uh, seemingly becoming more horny in this film after the telepod experience. So I was curious about fly sex habits. Well, when you live for like a week, mm-hmm. and you got to reproduce within that week, mm-hmm. I mean there there is some. You know, there is some truth to the idea that the fly has got to, you know, do it or that, you know, it's going to lose its opportunity forever. Right. So, they're, I mean, they're exaggerating that just a little bit, but, I mean, there's not an awful lot that a fly has to do mm-hmm. in its life. It's got to feed and it's got to reproduce, and that's all that its brain and body are geared up to do. Damn. Not that different. Do they, I wonder they believe in reincarnation. They only going to be here a week. Yeah, I They I talk to a girl, you going to give me some? No. I'll be back. <laughs> I'll be back in some form. I'll be back in three months. <laughs> With yeah. a new body. <laughs> Better body. <laughs> I'll be younger. Um, so they have a week to live. Is that like like the house fly or is that like most flies? No, that, that, I mean, that's some of the that's some of the smaller flies okay. that are going to be living that short. I mean, even at, even at the most, they're going to be living two, three, maybe a month. Okay. You know, it's most insect life lifespans as adults are pretty short. I mean, mm. some of them have you know they can live for twenty, thirty years underground or as larvae and things like that. But they still don't generally live very long as adults. Crazy. About the only ones that have long lifespans as adults are things like termite queens and honeybee queens and things like that that can live for you know, a number of years as adults. They're why, they're real exceptions to the rule, though. Why do the queens live so much longer? They got to lay millions, literally millions of eggs, yeah. and they got to you know. So a termite queen can live 30 years or more. Whoa. Them honeybee queens are gangsta. Honeybee queens are like, you know, three, four, five years. Yeah. I seen, I seen uh, uh, a special where it was two, it was two female females and they had to find a new nest and they did it together. Ooh. And uh, as soon as they did, one turned on the other one because there only could be one queen of the hive. Oh, my God. So she turned the other bees uh, against one another by spreading rumors. They show like the little what? vibrations <laughs> and stuff, and the other bees end up knocking off the other female. Knocking like, off? Man, what does that mean? Like killing, killing the other female. Oh my god! And I was like, man, this is some real like like politics. Yeah, that go on in these in these hives. You know, that's crazy. How often do like like insects like that kill each other? Does that happen? It doesn't happen all that often. I mean, okay. it's it's that pretty weird. pretty special circumstances for for insects within a species to like actually go head to head combat. Right. Usually it's for reproduction though. That's it. I mean, it's mostly males fighting other males. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, when females are fighting, that's a very rare kind of thing. Yeah. Not very many insects do when that at all. There's a double queen. It's got to go down. Somebody got to lay the it only could be one to lay the eggs. Don't yeah. they do flies determine the sex? 
also just like some insects determine the sex of the yeah, that's something that that bees and wasps can do that virtually nothing else can. Hey, that's I mean, they got. Did you know that? No. Yeah, they they selectively use sperm or not. If they if they don't use the sperm when they lay an egg, then it comes out male. And if they do use sperm, then the do- the offspring comes out female. Whoa. Hence, why it's a lot of males in the in certain places, you know. Oh. So they they-, they control the sex ratio. It's called haplodiploidy. Is the name of the. The mechanism, and Haplos- not many things do that. Bees and wasps. What'd you say? Yeah, wasp bees, and- bees and wasps. All and ants okay. and their other relatives. All the things in that order. Hymenoptera. They Whoa. have haplodiploid sex determination, so they control whether they have a son or a daughter. When they every time they lay an egg, they decide. Why would they need to do that? Well, I mean, it, it's handy for allocating your resources. Okay. Now there's there's all sorts of good ecological re- reasons to want to have control over that thing. Yeah. And then you, I mean, some of the animals that don't have control over their sex ratio or have other ways of doing it, mm-hmm. they they can be in trouble if something changes. Like a lot of the things, like turtles and crocodiles, it's temperature that determines what sex an egg has. Wow. You know what it turns into, and so they, you know, there are a lot of those species. They're having trouble because their sex ratios are getting screwed up when the habitats change and the climate Global changes warming, and yeah. things like that you know that it screws up their sex ratio so instead of being 50 50 they get too much of one sex or the other and it, it that's a problem man and they also can determine what type of uh insect sect it is whether it's going to be a warrior or a uh, oh, worker that you're saying the parent like decides yeah before. like the same way they decide the the gender they can decide the type damn you know is uh that's crazy. Very interesting. Yeah, that like, is. We need more soldiers. <laughs> so, Ugh, I'm gonna fire out a few soldiers. You know. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna be tougher than me. I think that's what humans are starting to try to do. Yeah, there's all sorts of uh, yeah genetic. Uh, I don't know what it's called, but like manipulation, yeah. I guess, which is very strange to me. I mean, if you guys, you guys have kids. I don't. I'm uh, no, thinking neither. about having some, but okay. I mean, I look what happened through slavery, and they pretty much bred a very strong group of people yeah you know i mean, mean would you want to choose like stuff for your kid like would you want to choose the sex of your child i wouldn't because it's other issues like you said environmental issues that could arise from that mm-hmm. you know what i mean like you could go through all that choosing what your child looked like and making it strong and stuff and that person could end up not liking you sure and you just raised a very strong murderer you know <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. this is weird factors you just can't control. in my, my mind just cause I watch movies like The Fly and stuff it's just <laughs> it's just that weird thing that I don't know what's gonna happen you know? yeah yeah I would be afraid to choose because of yeah some weird I don't know regret that would come later I would just say whatever happens happens I guess but I mean you got the flip side of the coin if you can eliminate genetic diseases and I mean, yeah, things that's, like that's that true. That's true. there's all sorts of stuff that if we have a you know, if we use it the right way, there's all sorts of positive things that come out of it. It's right. just, it's, I mean, that's like one of the big Hollywood tropes is, you know, science gone wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, if you do the right thing. Then it's great. Know. Yeah, I don't think that's wrong with that. But then, like you said, it's that other side of like mm-hmm. being too specific. Right. Well, people, that's like, what I, I want to have an athlete. Yeah. You know I wanted I mean? my kid to have green eyes. Like, I've yeah. read stuff like that where it's like, really? They're going to choose? But I don't know. Maybe. I mean, if you can avoid diseases, obviously, that's great. Um <laughs> So, <laughs> I have some really dumb questions here that I wrote while watching the movie. Uh, what's the biggest flying insect? Do you know? 
um, some of the beetles oh, would probably be the, the okay. biggest, heaviest flying insect. That's what we got around now. Right, because right. Because we got, there's certain limitations on that sort of thing. Limitations? Yeah. What like oxygen. Mean? Oh. Uh, back, back in the Carboniferous, before there were even flowering plants, uh-huh. the insects were way bigger. There was a there's a dragonfly that had a three foot wingspan, okay. and the only reason that it could survive back then is because the oxygen levels were much much higher, um, because the way insect respiration systems work, you, there's an upper limit on how big they can get because they have to get the oxygen to their tissues through diffusion. Wow, you know they don't have a circulatory system that delivers oxygen. Okay, <laughs> so that puts an upper limit on the size, and that upper limit was much bigger back back then and now it's gotten a lot less so the biggest insects now you know the longest ones only like two feet long and walking sticks and then the heaviest ones are some beetles and katydids and things like that so they don't get very big anymore thank you evolution yeah that's nice <laughs> that's good news i saw some shit on the mist the mist that looked like a big dragonfly remember the movie the mist no oh. i don't know the mist <laughs> remember that man you should see that okay that was some scary shit Speaking of dragonflies, I read that when a when an insect name has fly in it, but it's one word, that that's a sign that it's like not a fly. Right. So, that's that's just a convention. So dragonfly is written as one word, but horseflies should be written as two because that actually is a fly. Okay. So it's like yeah, describing the fly because mm-hmm. it is a fly, right. and then the other one is just like it's part of the name. Right. Okay. So that's a good. So what's a dragonfly? What is it? I mean, it's not a fly, so it's like insects or it's whatever. A, I mean, technically, the name is Odinate. Is the that's the order that they belong to? Okay. But there's dragonflies and damselflies. Those are the two subgroups within that group, mm. and they're very they're very old, very primitive. You know, they're they're about as old as the insect groups get. The other old insect group that's still around is mayflies, which are also not flies. Man. So they so they spend their confusing. lives most of their lives underwater, so they got aquatic. Immatures, and then the adults only live for a short time out of the water. Especially mayflies. Mayflies are like notorious for having some of the shortest adult lifespans. Some only live for a matter of hours. Damn! Can you imagine being an adult for an hour? No, I cannot. They spend a, they spend a year or two years as as larvae underwater, and then they come out, and that it's over. That sucks. <laughs> I would much rather have the other way. Enough time looking back all, all the bad decisions you made. Yeah. That's your whole adult life. That's Three it. hours. <laughs> It's awful. DMT, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was that the mayfly? The mayfly, yep. Man. which is not a fly, uh, unbelievably. Um, I also wrote down, why do mosquito bites itch? You know about that? That's, that was... your, that's your immune system reacting. Okay. So it's I mean, nothing that's, that they're that's, doing. That's, that's what histamines are, and that's why you take antihistamines. Mm. Histamines are the sign of the reaction, and the, you would take antihistamines to make that reaction go away, and then you stop itching. So that's, that's, that's just basic biochemistry. You know, your <laughs> immune system is like, ah, there's something going on here. We need to get more blood to this spot. Oh, okay. And so it it's turns red, and more blood goes in there, mm. and it itches. Then that, because that it reinforces the cycle. When it itches, you scratch at it, and scratching makes more blood go to that spot. But isn't it bad to itch? No, it's generally a sign that there's something that your body needs to fight off. No, I know, but I'm saying once you have the bite and you're itchy, don't, don't they tell you not to itch it? Not to scratch it. Not to, yeah. Well, I mean. That's what I mean, yeah, not to scratch it. I mean, your body's it's doing that for a reason. Okay, so you're saying but, scratch well, away. We have, we have medicine now. Okay. 
So take an. I mean, if you're taking an antihistamine, then then scratching is not gonna. Okay, I was I was recently in South Florida and I got bit like five times with my foot, and I stopped myself from itching, from scratching. You know, I just told myself like, okay, that's not good for it. Just leave it; it'll go away on its own, which it did. But I didn't know whether or not I should scratch. The bites here and the bites there are so different. Like yeah. the bumps that come when you're in the south, it's like, crazy. Like the size of a quarter. Yeah, it's it huge. Like... I was very scared. <laughs> and, and it depends. I mean, you can also injure yourself by scratching if you're not careful how you're doing it. Oh. So, so a little scratch is fine. Yeah, that's your body's telling you that it needs some help there. So okay, maybe rubbing is better. Yeah. Don't you like when you like you do a little yeah. pinch and rub and like the blood comes? Mm. Okay, so that's cool. Um... That's pretty much all I got here. I have what's the most dangerous flying insect? You know about you know what that is? Well, in terms of in terms of statistics, it's yellow jackets. Okay. Nothing kills more people than yellow jackets <laughs> on a on a year year to year basis. All the other v- dangerous animals in the world combined don't come close Whoa. to yellow jackets. Thank y'all. That's all time. That was a good one. <laughs> yeah. The way he said it was like a movie premise. Like yeah. nothing kills more humans <laughs> well, a year than yellow jackets. You want the statistics, that's the statistics. <laughs> How do they <laughs> Oh my God. Why do they why do they kill so many people? Because it's so easy to stumble into their nests and get them provoked. Whoa. People do it all the time, you know, riding their lawnmower they're raking their yards they're poking in holes they they tr- they are easily triggered they attack in big numbers they sting in you know large numbers of stings at one time people suffer like kidney failure and things oh, no. from getting large numbers of stings so yeah yellow jackets are about as bad as they get okay so i guess what's the advice there they like got assault rifles on them <laughs> but an individual yellow jacket isn't that dangerous. It's, you know, it's the fact the that they attack what in very large numbers. <laughs> it's like the Crips. You know? That's right. It's like one Crip at a hot tub, harmless. <laughs> 30 of them, Look, yeah. you got a problem. <laughs> yeah, mow your lawn somewhere else. <laughs> so I guess just, like, be on the lookout, like, on your property or wherever you're yeah, you don't want, out. You want to you don't want to ever cross paths with a nest full of any of those stinging insects mm-hmm. and yellow jackets are okay. about the worst. So I guess Google what a yellow jacket nest looks like and avoid the hell out of that. <laughs> That's yeah. the advice. I don't know. Well, yeah, yeah, and Google what a yellow jacket look like. Good also. call. Yeah, if you have some of that, move. Just move away. You know, a lot of people in the South call yellow jackets bees, and that's what you know mm-hmm. gives bees a bad name sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I learned a bees got the big butts. They chill. Oh. Yeah, that's how you look like the out more, for them. They are the more thin they get, and then what's the what's the dark ones? That's the hornets or the wasps, right? Uh, well, hornets are real close to yellow jackets. Well, the one the dark ones, I think, are the. Are, I thought they were hornets. Like, they look. They got like that. Um, they look like like sports cars of the of the yellow jackets. Right. They real dark, and they got that shimmer, like that green. Yes. Shimmer to it when the light hit it. Yeah. You know? I mean, they had that movie Green Hornet, so I assume that came from somewhere. <laughs> right. I don't. I don't know of any green hornets. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> not a real thing. Well, are they dark colored? What color? Depends. Are they? I mean, there's oh, okay. there's all sorts of different hornets. Gotcha. We don't. Ha- we only have uh, one actual hornet in the U.S., and that's not even a native species. There's one that we mm. call the bald faced hornet, and that's oh. got white on it. Um, and that one's that one's a fairly you know nasty if you get into them. You know, if you if you provoke them. But most of the problems are yeah, it's yellow jackets. Gotcha. Wow. Okay. Um, and then you, ha- you know you have other big wasps around like cicada killers, which people always think are hornets, but they're not. And those are pretty much about as harmless as they get because all they're after is cicadas. Oh right, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, cicada yeah, killers. Yeah, wasp and hornets. I'm googling now. Wasp and hornets, <laughs> and they kind of look similar, but the yellow jacket, 
is distinct because the the boldness of his pattern is on his back. Mm-hmm. Mm. Warning colors. He's you know, like, you know, it's like a school bus. <laughs> Don't mess but with you, me. But you see, I mean, it's like they're colored like the cartoon bees are. They're black and yellow stripes. Yeah. There's almost no bees that are black and yellow striped like that. No, the bee color, that that it's like a brownish. It's like a different color. Mm-hmm. The yellow jacket is very distinct. So maybe that's why they got so famous, because they're world-renowned killers. Yeah, they're they're pretty. They're over a large part of the civilized world. Yeah, yeah. So okay. a lot of people run into them in a lot of places. Um, also, what I'm talking about is a is called a. I mean, I just looked at it. It's called a black wasp. I don't know his black official wasp. name. Yeah. Well, that one is that one that you're talking about is harmless. Whoa. This one? Does, yeah, those, yeah. Those it, feed on caterpillars or katydids. So yeah, it, like that. It looks the scariest. Yeah, that looks really. But scary. it's very harmless. <laughs> okay, so just like those caterpillars in the ocean, they look beautiful, and but they will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we got some great scuba diving advice, uh, free diving, I guess, advice here today, which is awesome. Um, is there something you like to promote? Tell people about? Should they come to the museum? You know, no, it's. I mean, the museum like that is it's a research collection. It's like a library for insects. Okay. So it's it's a place to come for, you know, if you need to get something identified, you know, we do stuff like that. I do a lot of identifications online on different Facebook groups and things. Right. So I mean there's there's lots of people out there who take pictures of bugs. And there are good places to get things like that identified. There's you know, Facebook groups that do that sort of thing. There's Bug Guide. There's iNaturalist. You know, there's there's a growing community of people who are interested in nature and things like that. So I help where I can for a lot of that sort of thing. Okay. So, yeah, you were saying before that people should, if they find an insect and they want to know what it is, to, like, post it and tag you. And then you'll chime in and let them know what's what. Yeah, I mean, if they they don't have to tag me necessarily. There's a lot of there's a lot of experts <laughs> online. I mean, if you're if oh, you've okay. got an insect and you can take a reasonably good photograph of it, there's lots of online resources for getting that thing identified. Right, because there's a lot of misinformation. And there's a lot of misinformation out there. Yeah, yeah. don't want people to to name things incorrectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, sweet. And Byron, you got uh, something? Oh, I got a question. Like, what's the yeah. what's the best zoo to go look at insects? Oh, because I was at I think Omaha, and they had a dope ass insect exhibit, and they had a ant, uh, like an ant phone that went through the whole really uh, insect place, like tunnels of just ants going like through as you and you're walking under them and everything. Whoa, you're in there. Uh, and they got these big bugs and big beetles and grasshoppers and they got a lot of various species of cockroaches from very small to them Indiana Jones size Mm -hmm. bugs that you that people eat Uh so like that to me that's the best exhibit in the museums because you got the insects they usually throw the bats and uh yeah Omaha was good okay Omaha was good but that's like that zoo is like a bite they got a dome inside there like a tropical dome okay you know of one like that? Oh, there's. I mean, there's a number of places that have good insectarism and in, insectariums and insect zoos, th- things like that. I mean, that's that's something you you have to find them. I mean, they're not going to be. There's not really an awful lot of them, but there's a growing yeah. number. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you Google places, you know, you just type in something like insect zoo, insectarium, you can find out if there's some nearby. Okay. They're 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 actually not that easy to maintain. You know, <laughs> no, I could believe I'm sure. It. Yeah. yeah, and for the you know, it's also you know, people got to. Bear in mind how much traffic they're going to bring in. You know, a, a cage that's got you know tigers in it, or a display that's got pandas or something. That's going to bring in a lot more people than a 
something that's got an ant colony. So you know, that's true. That's true. That's you, true. You got to find a place that's got the right attitude towards public education and stuff that'll support something like that. Mm-hmm. This place also had roaming penguins. Roaming like penguins march every day, so mm-hmm. they walk them through this. Oh my god, I love that. So I was in a bird exhibit, which is open. A lot of these places, like when they domes like that, yeah, yeah, like the bats and stuff are just flying around open. I love it. But that roach, that roach thing is, that roach exhibit looks scary. That's not open. It's that's no, that's closed. But it's so many of them, Ugh. and they, they they like on each other, and they just <sighs> kicking it. You know what I mean? But they huge. I can't do that. I mean, I'll I'll go and look at it, but I would leave shortly. Afterwards, you still gotta eat when you leave too. That's the thing. I, it would take me some time. <laughs> I would, I would probably just wash it clean with the penguins. Penguins make me feel great. Neutralize the whole situation. Oh, okay, well, okay. Yeah, but uh, something you want to plug, Byron? Some uh, show? Something? Um, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm on Comedy Central. This is not happening, so check that out. Also, go to my website, Byron Bowers Live, and you can at Byron Bowers on Google, and it would. Give you to all my social sites. When does this come out? God, I don't know. A couple weeks, probably. Well, how can I plug a show and I don't know the date that this dropped? Good point. So I would yeah, say- go to my web- <laughs> go to my website. You know what I mean? ByronBowlesLive.com and uh, follow me on social media. Follow all of us. Yes, please do. Byron is great. Go see him, uh, Doctor Doug. Thank you for uh, coming in, and sure. we'll see you guys next time. Bad Science is hosted and produced by me, Ethan Edinburgh. Our associate producer is Megan Bates, and the executive producer is Brett Kushner. I want to give a quick shout out to Jacob Jeffries, who was on the intro to this episode. He's got a new album out called Motherland, which is fantastic. Definitely go download that and buy a bunch of physical copies and hand them out to all your friends as birthday gifts or just office uh, camaraderie. You know, sometimes you guys got to bond and why not bond over some beautiful music? Also, follow us on Instagram at Bad Science Show and send us an email at badscienceatseeker.com. That's badscienceatseeker.com. Let me know what movies you want us to do and anything that I might have made a mistake on. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I hope you're subscribed. If not, subscribe and rate and review and tell your friends about the show and we'll see you next time. Bye.